Warning, this episode of High Trust, Low Context contains a little bit of choice language. No, there's no profanity. No, there's no blasphemy. No, there's no cursing. And there's no false swearing. But there is vulgarity. Lots of it. So if you plan on listening to this with your kids in the room or at work, this might not be the episode for that. So put on those headphones or skip to the next episode. God bless. Hola, me and Welcome to another edition of High Trust, Low Context, Episode 8, Doomsday Hoaxes. I'm your host, El Chaco, and joining me again tonight, this show's first guest making his first return, Mr. Tab Burt. Welcome back, Tab. Good to be back, everybody. Uh, tell us, what are you drinking tonight there, Tabbert? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, unrest in the Middle East, so... I'm not choosing sides, but I am drinking this wonderful MH M and H uh, Distillery Elements, a single malt whiskey aged in sherry casks, which is, in my opinion, the best way to get a delicious whiskey by putting it in a sherry cask. This is, of course, the first um, whiskey that comes directly out of Tel Aviv, Israel. So oh, you know, I right think then. I think the chosen people should really support this episode, and I'm going to put this up <laughs> as product placement. Well, well, we'll see. I mean, I, I got to gain their support back after my last guest. <laughs> so, <laughs> excuse my cough tonight. I got um, getting hit with the allergy season here. Uh, the uh, oh, I feel you. Yeah, the mango tree that doesn't produce mangoes. It sure produces a lot of pollen for some reason. But uh, yeah, so you're 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 throwing your your support into uh, Israeli uh, whiskeys, uh, which means that you are not breaking also- any. Oh, go at ahead. the same time, so years ago, and I bought this whiskey. I also mm-hmm. at the same, I bought a German whiskey at the same time. So you know, I, I try and be an equal opportunity whiskey consumer. As soon as <laughs> Hamas has a has a whiskey available, I'll <laughs> I'll have my own little war, my own World War Three beginnings by just sampling whiskeys in my house. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you get to throw in like a Russian vodka or something like yeah, that absolutely. in there to, to 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 even things out. Well, at least you won't be accused of. Um, you know, Israeli boycotting, you know, uh, which I think is illegal in some countries or sorry, some states. Is it illegal in Missouri? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. It's I mean, you can't say anything about uh, what goes on in Israel without getting shut down, which is ridiculous because, you know, it's it's a, basically just a tax haven. We just pour money over there. It, that's what America does in all these countries. We just Ukraine, uh, Israel, South America. We just pour pour money into these countries and then. It's like, what do we get out of that? No, nothing. You you get the world's greatest ally, Tab. You get the world's greatest ally that you could possibly have that, that yeah. definitely loves you guys, you know, and uh, everything's working out just perfectly. I mean, you don't have to send any troops over or uh, armaments or keep the military industrial complex going. And we're still live on YouTube, so we haven't been pulled off yet. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I sent like $8 billion over to Israel. And so mm-hmm. I, I did the math on it. It was like $25 a per, um, per person living in America right now. Would you that... send $25 to Israel under any circumstances? Would you, I mean, no. Only if, if if it comes with whiskey attached to it, like what oh. you've got going on there. So that's, um, that's a good point. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, welcome back to the show. I mean, as you can see, I've 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 kind of cleaned up the place a little bit. Uh, you know, just still doing a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of home cleaning here, and uh, getting my uh, getting my 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 feet on the ground. So far, so good. I think. Uh, you yeah, know, you I agree. You've been able to keep keep up with the show so far. What's your What's your impression so far after you know this after seven episodes in your ears? I really, uh, I've been enjoying it. I um, usually reserve it for the days that I drive my car to work and not my ride my bike, uh, just because it's easier to hear in, you know, when you're mm. not listening to the sound of your engine rev right next to your head. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I'll fall behind and I'll have to play catch up for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I have only gotten, I the only episode that I caught live was Nick Ricada's episode. Which was a great episode, by the way. Which was he, a really he... great episode. I was glad that I caught it live. I, I kind of... I hit the beginning of it on while I was on my way home in the car. And then once I got home, I like just screenshot it to the TV and ate dinner. And oh, uh, nice. I thought that was a really fascinating conversation you guys had about like jurisprudence and how the, the country was designed. The constitution was designed to, to allow us to change it. But instead we now use the courts to change everything we do constantly, which, which yeah. then allows Congress to not do their job and the presidency and not do its job. And, um, and I thought, I thought that was all really ra rather interesting. Um, the courts have a lot of power there. I mean, like uh, uh, disproportionate to what they were supposed to have. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and we're kind of witnessing that. I mean, you know, um, I, I don't know if you like, uh, I think, I think when you were on before we talked briefly about Infowars and uh, again, I'm not a, I'm not a viewer of Infowars unless they've got something crazy going on. Like when mm -hmm. yay came on and like, the mask and did the whole benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu. yeah yeah that was wild <laughs> but like um you, you're witnessing so much of this going on right with with what trump is going through in the in the court system uh owen schroyer so he's one of the co-hosts on Infowars, i believe so he just got i think 60 days in prison for his you know presence at uh at january at the sixth day of the of the year in 2021 yeah. and he i don't know man like he tried to appeal it and then the judge threw that out and it's just like i still feel like everywhere is now a kangaroo court everything is just kind of you know it's just it they well, call it culture war a reason but also can also with that right uh even when you do win your day in courts they just they just find a different rule. So, you know, Michigan, uh, during the, the scamdemic and all the lockdowns, the the rulings they were making were being held on unconstitutional by superior courts. And then they would just, you know, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan just went out the next day and basically Got put kidnapped. the exact same uh, <laughs> executive order into force. But instead of saying that it's coming from, you know, paragraph c subsection a of this document is now coming from paragraph g subsection d of some other document and right. it, it's like you're you're circumventing the spirit of the law and you're circum and like you've already been told no and now you the idea care. itself is bad they and don't care it, no they don't <laughs> care all they care about is like punishing us for trying wanting to be free i guess i don't know i really hate all government and <clears throat> um People, it's hard to talk about it that way in with people because they just assume when you're like, yeah, I, I hate Joe Biden and I hate 
uh, Nancy Pelosi and I hate Mitch McConnell. They're like, well, you, you're just like you're a leftist or you're 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 an evil conservative. But then I want to talk about the other side and say, like, I think Donald Trump was an ineffectual president and a distraction to the real problems that are going on. I am a I am a cuck and therefore also need to be destroyed. And it's like <laughs> you're a mad we, we can't have a fucking conversation with anybody around us about what's actually going on. The, the fact that the whole the whole game is just like this shell game where we can you know, trade around what's what. And then at the end of the day, we're all getting screwed. Well, okay. So up in Canada. So I I apologize to my American listeners in advance. Next week, my guest is going to be uh, uh, Mark from Canada Poly, which is a uh, a really great podcast that covers Canadian politics. And it's pretty much the only way that I follow the the scene up there anymore, because I don't want to click on anything from CBC. I don't want to click on anything from CTV global or anything like that. Cause I know at this point now they can't be trusted. So he does a really good job of backing these things up. But one of the things that's really getting on my nerves. So for example, up in Canada, there's a class action lawsuit that's building from all the people who like lost their jobs or were deeply affected by these I- illegal, um, illegal mandates and illegal bylaws that were passed. And so they've got this weird thing going on up in Canada now where the the people who've been trying to challenge these things, the courts kept delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying actually hearing it so that after the government finally did pull all those things off, the the courts now finally are getting a chance to hear these cases and they're throwing them out, saying they're moot because it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, ah, 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 it doesn't work that way. You, mm-hmm. you, you guys have to, you got to pay the piper here. You got to, you got to have to answer up for your sins. And they just don't and won't. Like we're really living in evil times. It's just, yeah. it's, it's just really what it comes down to is we're living in evil times, which kind of brings us back to this, um, to this topic, um, I was normally I normally like to do a lot of research ahead of time, but this one's just going to be off the cuff tonight. And it's it's about doomsday hoaxes. Now, um, there is a lot of stuff going on right now. And you brought up about how you listened to Nick Ricada, and he had a really good point about what he called presentism, where he was saying that, you know, every generation seems to think that they're in the end times and everything's going awry. Mm-hmm. And he's got a point. He does have a point. And. I, I spent a lot, maybe too much time on 4chan, on poll, and it, it, there's this thing where it'll come up and it'll usually be a picture, this like highly stylized photo or gif of uh, Ron Paul, and it'll say, happening, right? And it'll be like, this thing is happening. And what you realize after a long period of time is, is that nothing ever happens. I mean, it does, but it doesn't, right? Like we, we were just getting ready to leave our house to go to the to Asuncion for the for an overnight to go to the mass, and that's when we got news of the Hamas attack on Israel. And I'm so jaded at this point. I'm just so jaded at this point that it's like it comes up and just like yeah 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 wake me up on the other side of it. You know, like I mean I'm not yeah. you know whatever. I, I oh there was another attack or something like that. And you don't because it's this it's this um, boy who cried wolf thing that goes on where everything is a catastrophe that you don't quite know what you're supposed to take seriously i mean you know again the sixth day of the year in uh, 2021 i watched it live and then after the fact it was being treated as if it was one of the most historic 
you know, insurrections mm-hmm. in your nation's history. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't no. even close. It, it was a bunch of people close. on a self-guided tour. It was mm-hmm. it was a big nothing. Yeah. And the thing. So from my perspective, I was watching that and I was watching that with excitement because, like as I said, I hate government. I would mm-hmm. I would love to see Washington, D.C., raised to the ground just a big smoldering ruin and i don't really care who does it you know if if russia launched a nuke and it hit dc i would be happy now i'm sure st louis is somewhere on that list of nukes coming too but as long as they get dc first if a bunch of rednecks gather together uh their guns and set the place of blazes i'm all for it and you know i'm i'm kind of respect the british for coming in in 1812 and setting the place on fire like the it's a it's a place that shouldn't exist and i i just hate i hate all governmental bodies so much like i live in this city i live in the 27th largest metropolitan area in the united states i'm paying an insane amount of taxes and i i and i ride a motorcycle most places around because it's uh a lot faster than driving i like doing it more but on the bike I'm constantly weaving in and out of potholes and street plates and weird level changes where they fix something and then filled it in, but didn't really settle it enough. So that has sunken down it's like or changes in, in surfaces, places where the asphalt for whatever reason has like bunched up like a continental <laughs> plate crashing together and creating a mountain. So there's this <laughs> artificial speed bump as I take a turn to get on the highway. And it's like, you are bleeding me dry with money and you can't get a fucking road crew out here to run a steamroller through and make this stuff look nice. And, and then people tell me that government works and it's like my civic duty to vote and have, and go to jury duty. And like, what is the civics doing for me? (laughs) Not, not much, not much. much. It blows my mind actually, because you know, anytime that I've been in the U S I always, (laughs) It's like you you have a high expectation. This is supposed mm-hmm. to be like the pinnacle of the first world. And it's not like that. I mean, the, the airports are pathetic. Um, the, uh, the roads. I, okay. I don't have any experience in, Se- in St. Louis. I've spent a lot of time in Seattle. And Seattle is a mess, too. I mean, Seattle is an absolute disaster. But, like, it, it, it's, it's hard to fathom that you 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 can't get the funding to fix your own stuff like you just mm-hmm. and when you when you bring up about when you bring up about government like that i'd have a very different opinion of government if the government was there to serve me you know what i mean like it was yeah. there to do you its like job for me and any one people. aspect of it would help you because aside from the fire department right yes Yep. The, there's no aspect of civil service that serves me. And really the fire department, you know, how many times has your house burnt down in your lifetime? I, it does happen to people, right? But it's such mm-hmm. an isolated incident. Now, of course, they're for the fire department's first responders. You know, when, if you get into a car accident, they're the ones that show up. They're the ones that pull you out of the car. They're the ones that put you in the ambulance. Mm-hmm. They have a purpose, but their purpose is wholly, um, it is to protect and serve. It, it, it is to, you know, the, the fire marshal comes and does inspections of buildings to make sure that it's not, you're not going to cram it full of people and they're, they're not going to be able to get out. Whereas the police department, you know, they, they enforce laws more often than not against you. Yeah. And 
and yet they let cr- the crime runs rampant. And then we can't do anything to actually combat the crime because all of the things, all of the ways to fight it are then deemed as being, you know, creating systemic racism and things. And, and so you're just, you're trapped in these, and it happens a lot more in the cities. And then they want to, the people that live in the cities, like live in this weird cognitive distance where they love their city and they think it's so great. They don't feel safe, but they want to export those like city policies that clearly aren't working out mm-hmm. to all the people like you that live on a farm. <laughs> and, 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 you know, they want to, the people here are talking about doomsday hoaxes, you know, people here are talking about like, you need to recycle. Why don't you separate your stuff? Why don't I separate my, my stuff? Cause the same fucking truck drives down the alley and picks up the green bin that's supposed to be grass and yard waste, the blue bin that's recycling, and the brown bin that goes to landfill. It all goes <laughs> in the same truck. It's not yeah. going into separate compartments in there. They just pick them up and dump them in the same truck. You really think that goes somewhere to get sorted out? Why would I waste my time? Why would I waste the space in my home for two trash cans to take them into two bins when they're all going in the same truck, like it's all it's all performative. But I have to do that because I live in this city of people telling me that the world's going to come to an end in 12 years from global warming. And meanwhile, like people like you, like the, another thing that I, I can feel, I can feel when I leave the city on a motorcycle. There is like this moment where you can tell you've left the city because all of a sudden the, the temperature around you drops five, 10 degrees. Huge. Where, yeah. Where suddenly there's green space. Mm-hmm. There's not all of this stuff reflecting all the heat back out and all the people living in these concrete monstrosities are telling you in your farm in the middle of Paraguay that you can't, you know, run a diesel generator to yeah. as a backup power thing because it's going to like displace some seals while they live in the worst <laughs> offender of killing the planet that, that could ever possibly be. Well, and that's where they stick the the thermometers too. When they when they are yes. doing their monitoring of this uh, of this climate scale, you know crisis, it's like they put the the. I've seen pictures of these things where they're putting these thermometers in like a parking lot of a Walmart. Like mm-hmm. the, I I've been in the parking lot of a Walmart on a regular day, and it's always like burning hot. It's just it's it's literally black pavement. And you've got a thermometer like off the ground, like two feet. And it's it's like, you know exactly what you're going to get. And I, I think they know that. But- they do. Well, because the other, <laughs> and- the other problem so with the models. So, you know, they use all these weather tracking stations and ground tracking stations that in in the way they describe them in their model, they're equally spaced all around the planet, you know, every 150 feet or something, you know, whatever the distribution is. But. As we all know, some 60% of the Earth's surface is covered in water. They don't mm-hmm. have those uh, little the water. things yeah. out in the water. So yeah. what they do is they kind of curve the data to make it fit their idealized model. And right. so they have a weather station in Japan, and they have a weather station in, Flo- in California. And they just they say, like, well, this one says 100, and this one says 80. So the ones between those must read between 180 in order to make this curve work. And then they kind of fudge that, and they do this, like, uh, backwards regression to try and make the model make sense so that then they can go and tell us that, like, global temperature is up 2 degrees, and that is going to cause us all to drop dead. And it's like – and if they if they told – if you describe that to anyone, there's no way they would believe they well, would believe this hype 
And going back to your whole thing of people in cities can't defend themselves, you're in St. Louis. Isn't that where that like couple who came out with their guns on their property because there was yep. a big mob coming out, yep. they they got in trouble? Like yep. they got in trouble. They were being attacked. I saw a video of – and it was the other thing. Even You don't even have to be in the inner city for this. Like you don't even – like if you're in the suburbs, they're like, we're going to take it out to the suburbs because the yeah. – you know, but um, got to make it political. And like they're going in and they're like waking people up and they're like shining green lasers into the windows so that like you blinding people and stuff like it's like it's we have that's why I wanted Nick and Rikeda on is because I wanted to say I don't think justice exists anymore I don't I think it's dead I think I think you can't find you if you get justice you're very lucky. You're extremely lucky because you, even if you successfully defend yourself, then you're going to have to defend yourself in court. And I that's, think there's a there's a three tier justice system, right? There's this there's where there's the people that are above the law. There are the people that have been given the exception to the law, and then there are people like you and me that are forced to interact within the scope of the law. And yeah, yeah. we have no. And you don't seem to be able to move between the tiers, the casts. It's probably a better thing to say because, you know, celebrities, especially um, celebrities and politicians, they'll get caught outright breaking laws. And then it's just kind of, oh, well, you know, it's no big deal. It was a one time thing. And then there's the people where, you know, they'll, they'll burn down entire cities. So many people died in the black lives matter riots in 2020 you were just murdered by crowds and it's like we're not like the guy um there's a guy a couple weeks ago uh, who was stabbed to death i think in new york you know he's with his girlfriend this guy is oh, screaming the video in her face that. yeah I and saw that. he stabs her boyfriend he bleeds out and dies on the sidewalk and she won't s- describe the suspect the whole thing's on video yep he looked her right in the face you know i i, I can't imagine if someone killed my loved one in in front of me like that i would never i would never forget their their face for the rest of my life i i would and then the guy's friends are coming out and saying like oh he, he wouldn't good want boy. he he wouldn't want uh this person convicted because that's not the kind of thing he believed in it's like well you know i kind of feel like he probably wouldn't have wanted to get stabbed to death either and so we're like all we're collectively you know holding the hands of of these criminals because we would feel bad if they went to jail, which is in it's, it's like a completely clown world upside down turn. And in that specific case, I, I stopped feeling bad for the guy, you know, because he, this well, is the dead. kind of thing that he voted for. <laughs> like in yeah. a very, very abstract way, he, you know, he, he set the domino that eventually toppled down until this big one came and crushed him. And like, there's, there's almost, there's an irony there in poetically, like it's terrible to have this loss of life, but it's also, it's also hubris. stunning. There's nobody's the learned from it. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the, the thing that bothers me about those kind of things is that I feel like you do have a bit of a, a, a civic duty to try to put somebody else like that away so that they don't do it to somebody else. You know what I mean? But like that's yeah. it's yes. a very weird thing. It's a very weird thing to to go, oh, you know, I wouldn't have done like what w- would you have done it? Like, would you have reported it if the guy was white? 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it, is it, is it something to do with socioeconomic um, demographic shifts and stuff like that? Like it's, it's, you have to ask yourself, like, when do we throw the book? Why have laws? Why have laws at all? If you're not going to do any of these things. And then you have the vice president of the United States was openly campaigning and getting money to bail people out during that like summer of love uh, mm-hmm. that happened. And it, that was, I think that was also, was that, that was 2020. 2020. Yeah. And so the thing is, is going back to the doomsday hoaxes thing, you know, it, it gets, it, it gets hard. Anytime I hear one, anytime I hear one, cause I mean, you know, I, I, we have friends who follow different biblical prophecies. We have, uh, you know, I have friends who I got a friend down here who is constantly, constantly telling me about this. This ex CIA agent uh, is is reporting that this is going to happen after this and this and this and like everything's coming down to it. Like right now, like Iran is at the door. They're getting ready to preemptively strike Israel. It's going to get real nasty real quick. And I'm like, okay, but like, I mean, I've heard this before. I've been hearing this for a very long time, especially when it comes to economics. There's a guy by the name of Gerald Salente. And this guy is like, he's, he's a trend spotter. He spots trends. And yet at the same time, this guy has been calling for a complete and total economic collapse pretty much since 2011 maybe 2010 mm-hmm. like every year every year this is the year this is it this is it and it's like i i, I get the feeling it's going to be boring mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like when when the world ends it's going to be boring we probably won't even like notice it <laughs> it'll just be like just slowly but surely things will get crappier and then your internet will cut off for a little while and then you'll just you know, maybe then then well, some drone will fly out of the sky. You'll throw you'll throw your bottles at it, and then it, it'll zap you, and then that's it. That's the end. That's the end of your world. And uh, it, it's 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 difficult to take any of these things anymore because my well, wife and I will talk about it, and we'll be like, you know, how much worse can it get? And the answer is much worse. There's, there's always, always somewhere they can go with it. Yeah, always worse. They're <laughs> like, there's no way they could get they could this could they could make anything worse than this. And then they like like coming next summer or something, and it's just gonna screw you every which way that they can. And you're like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. Well, the thing about the thing about the doomsday, um, you know, the town criers out there. Uh, I I used to really like and respect Glenn Beck. You know, he was mm-hmm. he, Glenn Beck is actually I don't know if I ever really talked about this on Here's What I Don't Get, but Glenn Beck was kind of, you know, this inspiration um, or not, not really. an insp- He was I enjoyed his talk radio show and it was something that listening to it, I thought I want to I want to do I'd like to do that someday, you know, just talk to people and, and be listening and make a difference. And so, like, that was a really cool thing about Here's What I Don't Get is I got to kind of live that that fantasy that I had when I was a younger person. And mm-hmm. um but in, you know, 2012, 2013, um, you know, when Obama's getting reelected and the Tea Party movement's happening and Glenn Beck went from regular kind of talk radio, shock jock, uh, boisterism to this like new learned Professor Beck character <laughs> that he has now. And I, I still like I still respect him to a degree, but my. 
I, I couldn't listen to Glenn Beck ever again. Uh, because during that time, he, you know, he's predicting that this is going to happen. And, and I learned a lot during that period of, of mm. what he was talking about and what to read. And it definitely like opened my horizons and made me smarter and made me. Um, uh, oh, it was probably it was the beginning of my red pilling or the continuing of my red pilling or whatever. And uh, but he was always saying that, like, you know, you got to buy gold and get your solar generator because the, you know, hard times are coming and be sure to get your food in buckets so that you can feed yourself in case, you know, when Donald Trump gets marketing, elected, we starts World War Three and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm. I'm not. I, I, I'm not that gullible. I and I what what has become shockingly apparent to me is that so much of the populace is that gullible. And so I I remember like I have a memory that lasts longer than 18 months. And so I remember <laughs> when you said that this was going to happen and then this was going to happen and then none of, neither one of those things happened and mm. now you're on to the next predictions. So that's what they do is they'll uh Two these guys weeks. won't just make a 100,000 predictions and mm. then if they can get 50 of them to be right they'll go see we talked about it and they'll like they'll throw that clip up of them calling that this thing was going to happen and they don't play the other 900 or 99,950 times that they said something that just didn't come true and the other thing is is that they really give timetables so that you know they're not going to say all right uh you know on october 17th Biden's going to send the National Guard out and like murder all the Republicans in their homes. 2023, that's going to happen on that day, 10 a.m. The the troops are coming, batting down the hatches. Yeah. No, they're going to say something like, oh, this might happen. And, and if they declare martial law, yada, yada, yada. Because if you make a prediction that sharp and you're like, you know, it's 955 there, Glenn Beck. Uh, where's that National Guard order coming from? Yeah, you would look extremely stupid. <clears throat> Well, okay, so um, coming at it from a, a faith-based per- perspective, there's like what we call discerning, discerning of spirits, discerning prophecies. And what we'll do is, you know, we'll we'll say, okay, does this fit? Does this, does this fit with like the gospels? Does this fit with what's written in the Bible? Are you reaching out a little bit too far? Are you making up stuff on your own? If it doesn't fit, then eh, toss it away. And secondly, mm-hmm. secondly, um, if they're if they get one thing wrong, then it's not of God. Okay, now to, I'll backtrack that because there is a story in the Bible, and, and Nick Nick Ricada brought it up the story of Jonah. So Jonah and the whale, right? And Jonah comes out and he gets a message from God to go and tell the people of Nineveh that God's going to smite them. Right. So he goes and he, he's reluctant, doesn't want to do it. And uh, that's why he gets swallowed by the whale, because like all of a sudden God's getting kind of mad because he's like not going where he needs to go. And the boat gets attacked with a bunch of waves. Everybody's on the boat. They're praying. They're trying to figure out what's going on. He knows what's happening. God's mad because I'm not doing what he told me to do. So the, he tells them they're like, OK, they toss him overboard and he gets he gets swallowed by a large fish or a large whale. And he's in there for three days, and then he comes back up on the on the shore, goes and tells the Ninevites. The Ninevites take him seriously. They repent. They they sit in sa- you know uh, sackcloth and ashes, and and their repentance causes God to not smite them. So you have a a, a prediction that gets changed, but because of the actions that took place. Mm-hmm. But like, 
when somebody gives a date, a specific date, and it doesn't come true, you can know, okay, that wasn't from God. That wasn't, that wasn't a real prophet. That wasn't a real prophecy. And you said it yourself, like they, they spit out all these things and it's, it's, it's a percentages game. Well, anything other than 100% is nil. It's nothing. And so the thing is, is that if, if it doesn't come true, then it didn't, it, it never existed to begin with. And unfortunately, like we had to go through a lot of that with like, for example, like the Q thing. With the Q thing, there was so many different uh, um, predictions and prophecies and stuff like that. And I was getting it hit from you know all sides with different people I talked to that were really into it. And it's like, you know, I want to give them a, ch- a chance. Uh, I, I want to give them a, you know, I'll, I'll nod and say, okay, yeah, sure, and go along with it. But then when it doesn't come true, there was the oddest thing with the Q stuff. Like, there's people that still believe it and still are Trust holding on. And they say, oh, you know, future proves past. It's like a, a time code thing. And then, like, it's, it, it didn't mean in that year. It didn't mean it in 2018. It didn't mean it in 2019. That's supposed to be for this year. And then this year comes and goes. And it's, like, I, it's for next year, two more weeks. And it's like, okay, I have to drop this. You, 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 and by drop this, I mean, we don't talk about this anymore because it's, it's a waste of my time. Yeah. And. That's um, that's where I've landed on on a lot of this stuff. Um just purely from purely to the for my own like the sake of my mental health and living my life. I could sit here and live in fear of the you know next time the government's going to crack down or what happened with them stealing the election or whatever, you know, rage du jour thing they have going on this week. But I, I, I'm tired of that. I mean, that's why I divorced myself from the news and politics years ago. And I've just kind of slowly to, I don't know, maybe a detriment made my life a little bit more insular. Like I'd much rather hear about, you know, El Chaco's day in life and the pictures of, of your farm growing than anything that they're putting on TV anywhere. Because like, I care about you. I care. About, I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool what you're doing. I think your lifestyle is cool. I I, I have like a little bit of envy towards that. Well, you're going to come down here someday. Yeah. You're have and to see and it the same person. way, like I'm excited to see when my friend Tim, the handle breaker, like post photos of him going to see concerts. Like I'm excited. My, a friend of mine. So Sunday I went and I'm, you know, I'm, in, I'm in pursuing this glass blowing for a year now. And I, I've been, I've been waylaid. It's been challenging, you know, a month ago, a little over a month ago, I fell down at work and I tore through three ligaments in my right ankle. And up until about a week ago, I was under the impression that I was going to have to have reconstructive surgery to walk again. And today I, I walked uh, with unassisted other than a walking boot. And I, and I walked unassisted, I walked barefoot in my house very briefly. The pain stopped it. But, um, but all through that, like I kept pushing myself to go to the studio and make accommodations to be able to do that. And so my friend came and took pictures of us uh, working yesterday. Mm-hmm. And there's just this like I can see it. I can see it in the pictures on my face, like this pure determination. And he got this really great picture of my partner right after she put a a really beautiful vase that she's been kind of chasing this vase shape and, and the color and getting it right. And she finally got like one that was great and got it in the box. And he got this 
perfect picture of her just like so beside herself with joy to have succeeded that way. Like I could, I I will never get that. And and I got to feel that same kind of joy because I assisted, you know, we worked together to do those things. Like I'm never going to get that feeling of joy from what's on the TV. I'm never going to get that feeling of joy from what's on Facebook. You can only get that joy by going out and living and, and making something that's, you know, that means something to you. Well, and I think that there's an aspect of control through fear that is happening, you know, and it's, and it's effective. It's really effective. Yeah, we're we're, right. we're seeing people being controlled. Like you say, going out, going out and doing stuff and having fun. It's like, yeah. And a whole bunch of people got duped into thinking that that's unsafe and that you're somehow going to die if you go and do that. And it, it does come back to a, one of the things that I have noticed. So within my community, and by, by my community, I mean either the people who live around me or my social circle or my church is that for the most part, most of us aren't afraid of dying. And that, that's, there's, there's, a big, there's a big thing yeah. there. Okay, so I used to have it told to me all the time that, for example, you could tell when you're going into the hospital which family was Catholic or not because they have a very different – approach to suffering end of life end of you know like uh, the near death time and if you're a little bit more confident in like you know how things are gonna go after the fact you that fear doesn't work on you anymore it doesn't work on you in the same way and so i found like for example any of the people that i know that jump to the front of the line to get that jab terrified of dying just terrified of dying and all these people who throw on a mask terrified of dying why are you terrified of dying what is it that you're so scared of are you scared that you're going to miss out on something like you're going to you're not going to get to see taylor swift in concert like what what is the what's the what's the big thing holding you back here because the thing is is that if you have no you have nothing after so i i feel bad for atheists honestly because if you have if you have nothing afterwards you believe that you just become worm food and it's done now I can understand a little bit more about why you're darn scared about everything. I can completely understand why that like, Oh no, I'm, I'm not going to see the end of this new star Wars uh, show on Disney plus, you know, like, it's like, yeah. that's what you've got going for you. That's it. You know? And whereas like if, so for example, when I do have friends that bring up to me as well about, about about the end of uh, the end of the world, about about doomsday, about the apocalypse, and all this kind of stuff. It, it, I can always tell who who they are because uh, like where they're at in life because of how they feel about it. Whereas like you know, for most Christians, when we believe that the fact that like at the end of the world, that Jesus Christ is going to come back, there's th- that even just that 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 sentence that he's going to come back for some people is like oh no. Like, what do I do? Oh, and it's like, it's like, for me, it's like, uh, I'll be like, this is awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome. He's here. <laughs> I've been waiting I, for this. This is great. <laughs> see, I'm looking forward to the end of the world. Cause I just want some fucking peace and quiet. <laughs> you know, Well, I hear you, man. Cause my wife and I will say this all the time. We'll be like, man, you know, just, just, okay. Like if it's the end, like, just like, let's wrap this up. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Let's like you've, We've over, over, overdrawn our welcome here. This is, you know, it's, it, it, 
it, it, it's like when you're going to a movie and it's crossing into the third hour and you're like, oh man, like, come on, man. This third act has got to wrap up at some point in time. I got a, I got a babysitter to pay, you know? So it, it's, it is a little bit, um, I think right now we're going to get a lot more of these doomsday hoaxes. Just, oh, they're never going to end. No, I mean, but they've I, been with us. That was, that was one of the interesting things with your Nick Ricada thing that I didn't know was that, uh, you know, Paul went around talking about how he thought Jesus was going to come back in 30, you know, yeah, pretty yeah. soon thereafter. Right. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, probably even before that time in the, in the ancient he years, we've back. always been afraid yeah. of this, this total end of the earth. And, and so we'll, because we have this innate fear of dying and it's one thing to, it's one thing to die yourself, but to, for everything to die is, I think, a little bit overwhelming for some people. But on, you know, if you think about it more spitefully, everyone that you hate will also be dead. So, you know, that's kind of a win-win. Yeah, well, so so uh, as our belief goes, is like there's going to be perfect justice at the end. So you're going to get to see all those people that deserve it get it. And and so when it comes back to this whole justice thing, it's like, yeah, well, maybe maybe God's not not necessarily pulling the trigger on all these people. These people are getting away with it right now, but it, we'll, we'll know it'll be, it'll be taken care of and it'll, it'll be, it'll be all wrapped up in a pretty bow. But you know, so we had, um, we had a, a date given and a prophecy given. So there was a, uh, f- there was a Catholic priest down in, in Brazil, just over, just next door to me over here. And his name, it, and he was going by the name of father, father Oliveira. And, you know, it came up in a lot of my Catholic circles like this guy, this guy prophesied the death of Pope Benedict. It said around Christmas at the end of 2020, That's the old Pope, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, he did die like on December 23rd or 20 or December 31st, uh, 2022. So everybody's like, whoa, he called it like that was it. Like he and then so he's like, I he got another vision another another prophecy and it was like uh he was talking to mary and she said that she would give him a sign uh on october 13th and uh so it was like okay all right let's see what happens all right because october 13th is the anniversary of the miracle of the sun at uh in fatima portugal so it was like all right we can we can watch out for this and then i i and then it came and went and then I went to like, you know, the same websites or the same YouTube channel that was like talking about this guy. And then I just put in the comments like, well, it came and went. Guess we can put this guy to bed. You know, like we don't have to mm-hmm. don't have to talk about him anymore. And and then people were like they were they, they were like, no, no, no. Like he said that it, he didn't say it was going to be a public one for everybody. He he could have gotten a private one himself. And it's like, OK, enough of the moving of the goalposts like. You know, if that was what it was, then we didn't need to hear about it. You didn't need to publish it. You didn't need to tell anybody about it. It's just keep it to yourself. Thanks. Wonderful. Great. Move on. And so, you know, like, I do believe the world will end someday. Um, And I, I, I do believe there is a slight possibility that it could happen in our lifetime, but it could happen in anybody's lifetime. Do you know what I mean? Like it could happen in anybody's lifetime. We got this, uh, What's that? That atomic, not the not the atomic oh, clock, but the it's the like countdown to the end of the world <laughs> clock, and they they make a big deal about moving, moving it, it up closer to midnight mm-hmm. because they're a bunch of self righteous tools that are. It, it's a propaganda piece to be it's like, like porn. 
you're not doing what we, the enlightened elite, believe you should be doing. It's like, yeah, well, you, the enlightened elite, should maybe get around to curing cancer, and then maybe I'll start to think about what you're – anything you, you have to say. We how have do you such- stop false flagging each other and, like, yeah. you know, and, like, ba- saber rattling? How about you guys – how about you knock that crap off? You guys have we- these meetings. Why don't you just get that together? But nope. We have such incredible suffering in in human in like in the human condition just globally yep. on, on average there, there are Always there will. are truly terrible things that that happen right yep and there are all these like experts in their field that are researching whatever stupid shit and manufacturing viruses to attack fictional viruses uh and the 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 joke is that they'll never the medicine will never find a cure to cancer because the treatment for cancer is too profitable to be worthy of of actually curing it and so instead of instead of putting our efforts into that, we we spend all this time jerking ourselves off about moving the countdown clock one minute closer to midnight or, you know, virologists whose entire existence is predicated on there being the Andromeda strain getting out on TV and going like, this is the Andromeda strain. And then it turns out it's not the Andromeda strain. It's just like a regular fucking cold. And it, well, that's how they know, got you with COVID, right? Yeah, and, it's and, been. And it, it's been, you know, nearly four years and I've never gotten it. Mm. And the people that I tell that to will be like, you should be studied by science. Fuck them. They don't fucking want me. They can't have one fucking ounce of my blood. Well, the other when thing I is get I a, an apology, then maybe we can talk about figuring out why I am like superior to all of you weak bodied people. I don't even trust them to like draw my blood at this point. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, uh, yeah. you know, I yes. <laughs> I don't because even trust you to all, draw my blood. You know, like. we've all been to a doctor, right, and or a nurse or whatever, and they and they're doing the thing. You know, they've got you all all tourniqueted up, and they've got the vial deal, and they're like, "Yeah, man, you got some weird veins." And I can't tell you how many people I know in my life where it's like that. You know, they show up and they have this horrible bruise right there in the crook of their arm, and it's like, "Oh man, what happened?" Like, "Oh yeah, I had to go." You know, they took my blood for this test because of whatever fucking thing I have going on in my life this week and uh, they couldn't they said i have bad veins like no i think these people are just kind of shitty at their job you know Mm -hmm. there are so many people in life that are just just shitty at their job you know 50 percent of people are probably shitty at their job and yet we or vindictive i've heard stories of nurses that have been vindictive they've seen that somebody did not get the experimental uh injection and they are vindictive about it Mm -hmm. and will purposely mess up the uh the the extraction and it's like uh, you well, know it's I mean, like uh no it's like little what was his name little fabio you had on he, yeah he told the story in his episode about how um he was in for that surgery he wasn't supposed to move for the 24 hours after the surgery the nurse and the nurse comes in there and instead of giving him the iv medication to uh, so that he doesn't move gives him all of the pills he's supposed to take for the next eight hours. And because she, because she's just fucking lazy because that's the, like the 50% part of them are bad at their job. Cause they're stupid. And part of them are just bad at their job. Cause they're fucking lazy. I mean, that's, that's what I'm dealing with at my work. And this, you know, this guy, he comes in to, to do this renovation, and install these motors. He does a fucking horrible job at it. He's just awful at his job. And now I still have to fucking put up with him. You know, he's the guy that has me in this walking boot because he couldn't put his box and not in the walking path. And sure, I have my own fault in that and thinking that I could just get around it. No problem. Obviously, I needed to have the box moved. But mm. it's like, use some fucking sense. 
the guy is just bad at his fucking job. And so then you take that, take that 50% and apply it to some, you know, this is some little insignificant. It's a renovation in a theater that seats 600 people really doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of the world doesn't fucking matter. But you take something like a, a Supreme Court justice who has to make decisions on the total legality for a population of 330 million people. You take that and you put it towards some scientist who's supposed to wash their hands after they leave their bioweapons lab. You you take it and you you apply it to some like intelligence agency person who's supposed to make sure the switch on the Iron Dome gets flicked off and on once every <laughs> you know three days. Or, or the CCTV uh, cameras in uh, outside Epstein's of a certain cell. jail cell. Yeah. yeah. And and those things happen. And it's like, how could we have possibly seen this coming? Everyone around you is an idiot. Statistically speaking, 50% of people around you are probably dumber than you are. At least. At least. More than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's like one of the things that, again, it comes back to as well is is this. I you brought it up just now. It's like this this myth of competence. There's a myth of competence. There's a myth of competence at the medical level. There's a myth of comp- competence in the scientific community. There's a myth of competence in the academic community. There's a myth of competence in uh, in government. You know, like yeah. the oh, government's got my best interests in mind. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They only care about themselves. They care about getting reelected. That's it. That's all. And there's nothing more to that. And once you accept it, it does make things easier. It does make things easier. Once you accept it, you're like, okay, I'm done. Or, you know, like I, I, there's no point in getting upset about it anymore. I do admit that I, I still, I still get my news, but I get my news kind of through third party sources. You know, somebody talks about it. There's, there's shows I watch because I, I love a good hot take. Uh, You know, you brought up Mm -hmm. about Glenn Beck. Part of the reason why people would like them back in the day is because he had hot takes. Rush yeah. Limbaugh had hot takes. Um, I've had hot, t- hot takes in the past on, on on here's what I don't get and stuff. And you, you're full of hot takes. But at the same time, you know, you, you, again, you feel like you, you have to sort of know what's going on, but don't get like wrapped into it too much. Don't get don't wrapped into it too your much. Life. Yeah. It doesn't. That's the Bill- thing. Like, that's the thing about these little like hate rectangles that we carry in our pockets <laughs> is that it makes it so easy. It makes it so easy for all of that stuff that makes your life terrible to intrude Absolutely. on your real life. Like the things that really matter in your world. And so like one of the things that I've, I started earlier this year was, you know, I, I started an Instagram and, and I mostly, I, I don't really comment on anything. I don't like things. I, I, I like to scroll through. I like to see like what my friends and my family pe- are, people are posting. I like to see what like artists that I follow and, you know, people that work in the industry that I'm friends with. I like to see all that stuff. And I, I like to look at that and like, you know, oh my, you know, my friend, I have a friend who's out on tour with this show right now. And every day um, they do a handstand on their set before they, they strike the show. And so they post that every day and I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. You know, that's like a fun little tradition that they have that I'm kind of like adjacently a part of. But what I found was, you know, Instagram, after you've seen enough of your stuff, it wants to serve you all this other shit. And then I'm sitting there just scrolling through Instagram for no reason. So my phone has this like well-being app that will just cut you off of uh, using any app you want. And so I set Instagram to a half hour limit 
per day. Smart, smart. And then when I wasn't hitting the half hour limit anymore, I said it's 25 minutes. Smart. And now I haven't been hitting the 25 minute limit that much. So I think I'm going to drop it down to 20 minutes. It, it has become inconvenient because sometimes like I've scrolled through the day, but then I decide there's something I want to post. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while you're going through all this stuff of like trying to write out your posts and all these things, it's like you only have 60 seconds left on Instagram today. And <laughs> so I'll go in and change the settings. Sometimes, you know, it, it's a Saturday. I really don't have anything better to do. So I'll change mm-hmm. the settings. But those are few and far between. And you know what it's done? It's it's kept me. So when I want to doom scroll on my phone, I read a book. And I, I, you know, at least there I'm divorced from like the world around me, but I'm getting something other than just, you know, way better for you. Corporate design trash beamed straight into my eyeballs. Well, um, so I've mentioned him before and he's a dream guest for me at some point in time. But the the, probably the most popular, uh, well-known exorcist in the world right now is Father Chad Ripperger. Oh, I was going to say Crow. No, <laughs> yeah, who <laughs> got to play the the previous most popular exorcist, um, Father Chad Ripperger, who who is featured a lot on uh, Census Fidelium, uh, Steve Cunningham's uh, page. the The thing that he says is he he talks about doing a media diet, right? And he, so when he gets up, he yeah. he likes to stay in, in engaged. He likes to know what's going on in the world, but he doesn't want to like let it take over his life. So what he does, because I mean, so much of his life is devoted to actual prayer. Go figure, right? <laughs> like an actual, oh, wow. He's actually praying during the day and meditating and doing priest things. And then he goes off and helps people in their in their lives when he's freeing them and, and uh, li- liberating them with uh, spiritual warfare. But what he talks about is this this media diet thing where he says he gets up and, and after he's done his prayers in the morning, he will get, limit himself to one half hour. And that's a half hour of everything. That's checking his emails. That's looking at the news. That's doing all those things. And he crams it into one half hour and then he shuts it down. And it's done for the day. I would love to get to that point. Unfortunately, my work doesn't allow for that. I have to be online for a lot of my stuff. Yeah. But, and I, I've mentioned this, I, I probably, maybe I mentioned this with Nick, maybe I didn't, but in my work, so I do, um, I do marketing. And when, when we market to people, when we want to get people to click on our stuff, I don't go into the full clickbait stuff, but I'm clickbait adjacent. Do you know what I mean? And one of the things that we do to keep people reading, and I was taught this when I was early on in my career, they said, you want to play off of uh, those visceral, those deep emotions from people. And the two that you work on when you're dealing with people in stocks is greed and fear, greed and fear. And the fear could be a fear of missing out on the greed, but like what? So because I know that fear is so powerful with marketing, well, you know, when, when it comes to like letting people know that this thing and blah, 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 and these guys are going to solve it. Fear is easy to write about. It's easy to drum up. It's easy to get people scared, you know, and, and, and people, I don't know why, but we've gotten ourselves so addicted to being well, scared. there's there's a great quote. Uh, Men in Black. Okay. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones tells uh, Will Smith, he's, you know, he says, um, he, a person isn't a problem, but people are panicky, reactionary things, something along those lines, and you know it. 
And that's like, that line has stuck with me for a long time. And, and that, yeah, I, so I, I worked in the haunted house industry for a couple mm-hmm. of years, a long time ago with, uh, mm-hmm. Tim from here's when I don't get so did I. I was a doctor. <laughs> our friend, yeah. Our, our friend trucking and tucking. We, we basically like ran this haunted house for two years and mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to scare one person by jumping out and, and, you know, saying boo and you get that like immediate reactionary thing. jump scare. It, it's another thing to actually build true fear. Mm. And, uh, it's it's easier to to build it in a bigger group than it is for for to build it in one guy, right. and so that's what they're doing. You know, that's what you're doing in the news. Is you if you get if you get it, you know, enough of the fear into the well, it just kind of spreads out there. I mean, that's what happened to us during the pandemic. Was we they got enough people afraid of what could of what this could be because we don't know the answers to all these questions, and rather than approaching it from like a rational calm you know the way the this is a terrible example but you know when 9-11 happened george w bush gave a speech from the white house i'm sure he was in some bunker somewhere but he he talked about that we need to live our lives and we're going to allow this and we will not falter we will not fail it's a very like it was a very reassuring speech mm-hmm. and and i don't remember donald trump making that speech of being like why don't we all fucking take a deep breath? It's just the cold. Like no, let's, we can't allow ourselves not live our lives. You know, that that was what that was what the world needed. The world needed to be told that we're not all going to die. Nobody did that one. Nobody exactly. did that one. And, and and I remember when the first time I saw the stats coming out, and I was like, ninety eight point five, ninety nine percent. Like what? And I was like, all right, it's over. Like let's wrap it up. And then I'm going to my like go pick up my kid from the neighbor's house and they're still like masked up. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's over, but it wasn't over. Like it wasn't over. (laughs) And it's like, well, 1.5% is a lot of people like, yeah. Like, and of that, how many of those people were on death's door to begin with? You know, like it was in the nursing homes that most of the things were going down. So (sighs) fear is working on people and and it works so well like for example like with this ongoing the 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 conflict of the week we've been seeing so much of this atrocity propaganda right it's Mm -hmm. where you will get photos of something that's supposed to stir in you and get you really upset and it's funny you bring about about the uh, uh about the you know people and crowds it's the same thing, like even in other emotions. So, for example, it's really hard. I, I think some of the most uncomfortable stand-up comedy routines I've ever seen were in front of a very small group of people because you're not going to get that big wave of laughter, that like permission to laugh. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a comedian. Oh, I forget her name. It's a blonde lady. And Amy Schumer. No, no, no. Oh, Liza Schlesinger. No, no, none of those. Oh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But she did this one comedy special where and it was really awkward. Like I, I, I used Nanette? to think she was great. What's that? Nanette. No, uh, no, no, no. She used to hang with like Brian Posehn and like um, Patton Oswalt a lot. And she was in that mm-hmm. same kind of gang. And like. 
she did this one comedy special and she was, you know, getting a little artsy about it and decided that she was going to do an impromptu comedy set for her parents in their living room. So it was just like her doing it in front of her parents in the living room. It was so uncomfortable. (laughs) It was so uncomfortable because like her parents are on the, on the clock to like it. You know, they got to like it. You know, it's that whole thing of like, somebody like tells you this is their favorite movie and they put it on and they're like looking at you the whole time, like waiting, waiting for you to like, love it. You got to love it the way I love it. You got to love this thing. And it's like, I, 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 I can't give you what you want me to give you right now. Um, I got, but, I got one worse for you. Uh, Harlan okay. Williams did a comedy special. This is pre the pandemic. I will, I will remind you. That's just okay. him on a butte, and that's it. He is in the middle of fuck nowhere mm. with a microphone telling jokes, What's and it was surreal and completely not funny. You know, it's, it's, there's something about feeding off of a crowd, right? Oh, it's the same thing as like during, during the lockdowns when there was like baseball games with like cardboard cutouts of people in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And then uh, WWE did the same thing. They did the Thunderdome where they put like a bunch of like screens up in the crowd and then had people streaming in, in. zoom in for the, to watch. And it was like, we came this close to getting that in Tulsa. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> this close. It was. It's. It's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. And so I. I know that there's this thing where we like to feed off of each other. It's the same thing of like eating a meal by yourself or eating a meal with a big family gathering for Thanksgiving or something. I'd right? Eat a meal by myself. You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's a magic in numbers, and 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 they know this, and they know that they can feed this out there. That's why, again, all this propaganda was just constant reinforcement of group think, of group mm-hmm. behavior to make you think that you, if you don't think the same way as the group, then you're weird. You're the weirdo. You're the outcast. You're you're not going to work out here. And unfortunately, like the, the, the thing that I've brought up before is that it works a lot better on women than on men. Um, there's a biological reason for that. So, for example, back like, you know, in 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 our ancestors times where the men would get in to ga- gather for a go a go on a hunting trip to go and get food for the families, they would go off. And the women would be left there for a while and they'd have to get along. They'd have to get along because if you don't get along, then you don't have the support of the community and your husband might not come back from this mm-hmm. trip. It's same thing with war. Right. And so you have this thing where you, you you'll have somebody was pointing out about this, about how there's this psyche. There's this mindset of a lot of different people who a lot of times with effeminate men and uh, uh, not all women, not all women, but a, it, it Seems to be a predominant, predominantly women, where there's this need for approval, this need for group approval. So they don't want to be the outcast, even if it's not right. It's just, it's just they're doing this, they're saying this thing or doing this thing so that they can get approval from everybody else. They just, it, it, they just don't want to be that person who's like the odd man out. It's, it doesn't feel right. And it, and it does go back to to those times because again, if your husband did die on that hunting trip or in that war, 
then your need to rely on the community is enhanced. You really have to get along with everybody else. You want them to get along with you, help you with uh, raising your kids. You need that. You need that group approval. And if you're just like, you know, like out there and again, it also, it probably got bred out of women with like things like the, um, the, the witch trials and stuff like that. So if you were a little bit out, out, out of, out of whack or a little out of keel, then you get a, uh, actually accused of something that would put you on the stake. So, so you have to give some, some sympathy, some empathy to how that developed, but we're seeing it right now. I mean, again, like in Canada during the last election, the guy I, I, the guy whose party I voted for wasn't allowed in the debate. He was the only one who was against the max mandates. He was the only one who didn't like the, the, the injection mandates. The only one. They couldn't have him up there. So they would actually, they actually put all the other leaders of all the other parties and they all went one by one and they all agreed that everybody should get the shot. Everybody should be masking. We all should be doing these things. Not one iota of disagreement. And so you bring up about uh, Trump and yeah, where was he, man? Didn't do it. Didn't do it. And he would do his little loosey goosey things. Like, you know, he'd say, I still believe in your freedom, but I really well, think you should be getting this. Uh, yeah. He kept saying like, well, when after the election, we'll have to reevaluate Fauci's doing like, no, if he's doing a shitty job. Fire him. Do it now. Fucking. It you, now. you wouldn't. if So, you know, you drive to Scusion, you know, it, it's what an hour and a half. Two. Yeah. About two hours, hour and a half, two, two, two hours. hours. Right. If mm-hmm. you got a flat tire right after leaving your house, are you going to ride that flat tire all the way into town and see if that it'll, it'll work out? No. no. You pull over and you change the fucking tire. <laughs> but that's that's just not where we're at. And that's not how they – you that's have to understand. No, it's it's yeah. about group control. It's not a yeah. – nobody is trying to win my vote. They don't care about my vote. My vote doesn't matter to them. They care about – all my other neighbors who are a lot easier to win over in the vote. And that's why they want to flood out the demographics so they can find people that are more susceptible to that kind of group think. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And so it works. It's effective uh, for the people who rule all around the world. It works. They all do it. I mean, and there is no good guy. It's not like you're going to go like, oh, Putin, he's based. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. He was all about those all about those mandates as well. He's 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 signed on for the agenda 2030 and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And again, it comes back to the whole like if you if you say that uh, you don't support climate emergency measures, uh, then you're the heretic. You're, yeah. you're, the, you're, you're excommunicated from the community. You're not allowed in. And, you know, it's, it, it might sound hypocritical coming from somebody who does call people heretics who don't, you know, who don't, you know, if you, oh, you don't believe in, uh, like if I, I've got Catholics that come up in their thing, they're like, that's heretical. You can't say that. That's not okay. We, we're at this stage now. It's funny because, all this atrocity propaganda, all of this stuff that we've learned in the last three, four years, uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm so jaded about it. I'm so, I wouldn't say immune. I'm not going to say I'm immune yet, but I'm close because there's so many things where we'll, 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 get, we'll get accused of something or something will come up and I'm, and it, my, my BS detector just goes off and I'm like, yeah, I just, 
I don't know. This doesn't sound right to me. And it's it's just like you mentioned about the Iron Dome not working. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm at this point now where it's like, I don't know. Like, I've seen well, how in, the controls the are at that border. In the conversation we had, you implied that maybe the Iron Dome never worked, but <laughs> which well, maybe you know that me. Was, maybe you know that me and my propaganda domes. was, you know, you put that out there and you go, we have the most, you know, the strongest, most undefeatable military in the world. And you just keep saying that for decades. Yeah. Like, you know, we've really got our asses kicked in a lot of these non wars that have come up since the 1950s. Are we really the greatest military might in the world? Or are we just, you know, are we that, that are big we guy that walks around talking a lot of shit and then. You know, the the little guy finally takes him out. <laughs> well, it's uh, specifically, yeah, the Iron Dome. I had some uh, some uh, some skepticism on. The main one that I have a huge amount of skepticism on is the Samson option. And I'm not talking about short sleeve Samson. I'm talking about Israel stating that if they get attacked, they will basically just launch nukes everywhere and take out the whole world. This like the biblical Samson who pulled on the two pillars and just boom, 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 boom. And I, I, I think about that and I go, well, okay. Like at that stage, it's not like I can do anything. There's nothing I'd be able to say or do or anything like that, except for afterwards, you know, in, in the afterlife trust. watching and seeing like, yeah. what's God, what's God going to say to these guys? I mean, like, you know, like he's probably pretty frustrated with them for all the other stuff they do. This one takes the cake, <laughs> you know, like, what did That's you do? Exactly- you're exactly right. Like, what is what is a global thermonuclear war? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about that? I can't, Nothing. you know, when if the war wants to come down my street and pick a fight, I'll go mm. out and die. I don't care. But if if we're going to talk about some like Jack fucked up country on the other side of the planet that I do not give a single shit about kind of just wiping us all out out of their own pride. What a great what way to go, though. Do? What a great way to go. You didn't even know. Yeah. Even even in a world, you know, so I really enjoyed the Fallout games. It's the the nuclear war happens between China and the United States and Russia and all that. Mm -hmm. And all these people go and hide in the vaults and then some of them come out and there's like a new society and all this stuff. And and they're fun, right? I I don't want to. I I don't want to live in the Fallout world. It's 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 looks awful. If I have to, if by some miracle I survive and I have to keep on fighting, then I'll keep on fighting. But, you know, I'm perfectly happy to get wiped out by a giant meteor at this point. Just make an end. So you brought up about my lifestyle out here. And we talk about this a lot in the house. It's like, look, I raised tilapia. I'm now raising sheep. I've got ducks. I've got a, my wife's got a beautiful giant garden. And we just put up another set of crops up in the um, other corner of my property. We're growing corn. We're growing mandioca. We're growing beans. We're growing all those kind of things. So at the end of my, at the end of the day, it's like, look, I did everything. I did everything I could. You know, if you're going to shut down the grid, okay, I've got, I've got backup for that. If you're going to shut down the internet, okay, we'll figure it out. It's fine. You're going to nuke the world and I'm down to like the last little bit. Okay, we'll eat what we got. And if that's my time to go, it's my time to go. And and I did my best. I did my best. That's it. And it's funny because you bring up about selling survival foods and all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, you know, you buy some and then you have it and then that's it. Who yeah. cares? After that, it's okay. I got it now. Next on with the show. I'm not as I can't be scared anymore. 
Because if I do, if I wake up every day, I'm causing this invisible stress load to just sit on my shoulders for no reason. It brings me no benefit. I've done my part. I've moved out of the city. I've got my food. I've got my water. I'm working on getting a backup power supply. But the reason I'm actually getting the backup power supply is because, well, my my power goes out sometimes here, as we've seen in the show before. Yeah. And, and I got to work. I got to do some work. And also, too, it's really hot. And I wouldn't mind having some air conditioning when the power goes down. I have this friend of mine who keeps me updated all the time. The guy who's giving me all these CIA reports and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, and? <laughs> and I have lots of Catholic friends who message all the time and they're going, Oh, can you see what's happening in the Vatican right now? They're doing a synod and everything's going to heck and all this kind of stuff. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You're going to pray and you're going to stay in a state of grace. That's all my advice is for you. Pray, stay in a state of grace and hope for the best. If it's your time to suffer, suffer like a man, like suffer, suffer with dignity. And if you, if you, if it's not your time to suffer, then don't fret on it. It's just not worth it. And then when it comes to the, you know, like the political side of things, look, man, they're always going to cheat you. They're always going to lie to you. They're always going to take more than they deserve from you until what? What are you going to do about it? You're going to, what are you going to do? You're going to rally the troops? You're going to rally the troops? Are you going to get your own militia going? Okay, good. You got my support. Go for it. Have fun. Let's do it. Go for it. Have fun. But like, go ahead and try to rally that in in this world. You know, I can't even talk to my neighbor and bring up about what I think about Pfizer and its history without, you know, having to get into a long conversation about it. You're not going to get anywhere with that. That's not the route. That's not the, that's not the method that's going to work anymore. So what you're going to do is you're going to live your life to the best of your ability. Enjoy things. Enjoy your life. Stay in a state of grace. Don't become a jerk. Don't go stealing from people. Don't go lying. Don't go doing all those other things. Stay in a state of grace and you'll be good. Everything will be fine. You'll you'll be happier. You will be happier for it. And if you live th- with honor, you'll go to Stovacor. It's very simple. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think there's this primal thing. I think going back to I I think there's something there on this fear of death thing. I think there's really something there on that. I think we live in a post-religious time. We live in a pro- post-religious time. I am completely the weirdo in percentage-wise. For someone who actually takes his faith, faith seriously. If, if I go in my, in my bubble, I'm not the weirdo. I've got, a, I've got a big bubble of people who all think along the same lines and they're trying their best and doing the things can that I, they can. Go ahead. Can I, can I illustrate this? I have, a, I have a really good like personal illustration of the difference between you and I'll say the average Catholic. Right. Okay. So, and this is kind of behind the scenes and everything, but when El Chaco came back to here's what I'll get a little over a year ago, one of the conversations we had was about my using of the GD phrase mm-hmm. very frequently. Which right? is totally banned on the show. I've let you get away with a lot of F words and S words, but that one is complete no no here. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I did on the show was I, I tried and I think largely successfully. Mm-hmm. eliminated the use of GD and JC the wrong way. Yep. On, on especially your episodes, but, but I also limited its use 
elsewhere in my life out of respect for you and your beliefs. Thank you. Right now in my real day to day life, I work mm -hmm. with a practicing Catholic who is a person in like the, I, I don't know the words, but it's like the archbishop's choir. It's this hand selected small choir out of yep. whatever diocese a in St. Louis there is. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were, we were working the other day and this is really weird for me too. So we're working and she used JC in the way Ooh. that I would use JC. And I was, I was stunned. I was like, what are you? What? It's one thing for me to say it as a <laughs> non-Catholic, but you, you really, you really fucking going a little bit too far here, my friend. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I was, I was stunned because basically the two of you are my, your examples, your, your, of, your, yeah. and, your and sample so set. I, I, and I, yeah, it was, it was this weird dichotomy where I could it's, not it, believe what I was hearing with my ears, with my, my delicate virgin sensitive ears. It's, it's a shock. <laughs> it's a shock. It shouldn't be happening. And, and the thing is, is that the sad part is, is that it's been normalized. So when I had E. Michael Jones on this last week, I brought that up. It's been written into all these scripts and stuff like that. Like one of my favorite comedy shows of all time was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I can't watch it. I can't watch it. I can't enjoy it anymore. I try and I can't. They use it to, far too much, far too much. And one year, I, I okay, so uh, The Simpsons, right? I, I used to believe that The Simpsons, like I'm going to say maybe the first – I'm going to be very generous and say the first 10 seasons. A lot of people will okay. cut it off like the first eight, but I'm going to say, I'm going to be very generous and say the first 10 seasons. So I bought my wife the entire first 10 seasons on DVD and I was putting them on Plex and I was like going through it. And I was like, cause this was like, this is a part of our youth, you know, like this is, th these are classics. And De Devin stack of black pill did a, a video where he broke down the Simpsons on religion, specifically on Christianity. And he hammered away because on it. He, Ned Flanders awful. is like this worthless dipshit. Not just that. The way they depict God is a worthless dipshit. The way that they depict Jesus Christ is like that. Like, it's horrible. It's horrible. And it's comfortable. They can do that. They're allowed to do that. And they do that all the time. So when people complain about The Simpsons now being degenerate and, or woke or whatever, it's like, come on, man. Like, it's, it's kind of always been – we just didn't notice it as much before. And I had it explained to me really, really well by, by a, a priest of mine right when I was converting. And it, it kind of similar to what you're saying about, like, when you hear somebody say it, you have a different reaction all of a sudden just because you know the importance, at least within that faith. At mm -hmm. least within that faith. And so when I, I remember when I was coming back in and I said to him, I was like, you know, it's weird. Like I, I was watching Game of Thrones when, when I was going through my conversion. And we were watching it. And I remember after I had converted and I, 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 we were watching it a couple episodes and I, was, and I was like really uncomfortable. Like really uncomfortable. And not like I'm being all pious about it. I'm like, I, I'm watching it. I'm like, okay, we got the sex and we got the nudity and we got the violence. And all of a sudden, and I'm like, after a while, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's not enjoyable to me anymore. And this priest said to me, he goes, you know, because like I lived in Calgary and a big thing for Calgarians is to drive out to the mountains. 
to go to the Rocky Mountains, to go to Banff, which is absolutely impeccable, great place to go, beautiful, right in the mountains is Mountain Ski Lodge Town, beautiful, 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 one of the best places on earth. And a lot of times if you drive in there, sometimes you get hit with a snowstorm on your way back out. So he, he described it. He says, it's like you're driving in your car and you're in a snowstorm. The snow is pelting on. You could barely see the road. You could barely see the road. I, I've been taught, like, you got to look for the line and try to get, get all the way home. And you get home and you park your car and you're like, see, I didn't die. Like, I didn't die. Everything's fine. But if you wake up the next morning and you don't clear off the snow off of your windshield, then now you're being really unsafe. Like you, you got through this thing, but now you know better. Now you know better to clear off that windshield so you can actually see so that when you do clear off that windshield and you do get those little flecks of mud or something on there, now you start to notice them more, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you, 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 when you have a clear windshield and you get a fleck of mud on there, you start to notice it a lot better than you did before. So once you start cleaning up your act, once you start kind of nailing off these things where you're going, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or I, I, this isn't good for me. It's like if you talk to anybody who's like going through the process of getting back in shape or, or, or eating right or something like that, my wrestlers, they used to take great care of themselves, great care of their bodies. But what they would do is they would have their show night on Sunday and then on the Monday they would have their cheat day. And so their cheat day was when they could eat whatever they wanted and they would just pile in the calories, pile in the calories. But anytime that I've ever tried to lose some weight and eat right and do, do things the right way, that's that first meal afterwards that you have with it's like really greasy or really sugary or something like that. For example, I can't, I can't stand Coca-Cola or Sprite or any kind of pop these days because it's just too sweet for me. It's because I haven't had it for so long that, that like all of a sudden you hit it and I'm not accustomed to it anymore. It's like a shock to the system. And so I find that with, when it comes to people who are casually throwing out JCs, casually throwing out GDs, once you eliminate them, once you make a conscious effort to eliminate them, they do pop in your head when, like, when, when somebody brings them up. It takes work to get it out of your system. But once you do, that's when all of a sudden, like, you hear it and you go, ooh, what was that? And it, it, it makes movie enjoyment, it doesn't eliminate movie enjoyment, but it definitely changes it. And so, yeah. like, when I was saying with EMJ, <clears throat> when, I was, when I watch a lot of these movies now, my wife and I will be watching them and we'll go, ah, you know, like, I see what they're doing. Okay. And then, and then we pull out the phone and do the early life and like, ah, that makes sense. Okay. I, I, now I know, <laughs> now I know why it's doing that. And, and, and so you get this idea afterwards of like, okay, this is why things are the way they are. And it's because it's been so normalized. It's just been so normalized. I, I have a British friend who comes over for, for dinner every Sunday. And we were talking about this and he didn't like the idea that I was having that talk with the MJ because he goes, oh, we, the British, we used to laugh at the Americans all the time. They had to have all these codes and all these rules and stuff like that. We never had any of that because we, we're sophisticated and we don't have to have all these kind of things and we don't get offended by these things. And I'm like, no, it's because you normalized it. Because yeah. he goes, he goes, he goes, adultery. You know, I don't see why there's a big problem about having adultery in a movie. You don't have to have a, uh, a rule on that. I'm like, well, yeah, of course you wouldn't, because for 500 years since King Henry VIII left the Catholic Church 
to commit adultery, your whole culture has been worked on to make adultery not that big of a deal. And Devin Stack has pointed this out a lot of times on Black Pill, where he goes back and he goes and he looks at these movies over the years and he's and he's pointing out like they were working on this. There was a movie called Divorce Inc. starring uh, Dick Van Dyke, right? So Dick Van Dyke is meeting that's ever existed. Yeah. Yeah. And what did people know him for? They knew him from the Dick Van Dyke show. And he was the dad and he came in and he, would, he did the little floppy do thing on, when he came in the door. But it was like it was a family sitcom. What else did they do? Who played his wife on Mary Tyler Moore? Mary Tyler Moore. What did they do with Mary Tyler Moore in her first solo show afterwards? She was a divorcee. That was a big deal on television. She was a divorcee. I'm going to make it off after all. And it was all a big thing to empower the single woman who had just gotten out of a divorce. And so it's been there the whole time. They keep peppering you with these things to make it normal, to make it totally okay. And we just don't notice it so much until you start to notice. Once you pick it off a couple of times, you you start to notice it everywhere. It's all over the place. And we've been drenched in it for like 70 years. Since the code fell, (laughs) since the code fell, we have definitely been pummeled with this stuff over and over and over again. So this Catholic friend or this Catholic coworker doesn't surprise me because the thing is, is that it's not like any of the Novus Ordo church Catholics are getting properly catechized to know you shouldn't be saying that one. And if you did say it that way, don't you go and receive communion until you've given a good confession before you go and do that. You're not supposed to to receive communion outside of a state of grace. And if you're bellowing those out all the time, that's in the... Dude, it's in the first top three, first or ten commandments. It, it's it's obviously important enough to God for you to knock it off. So if you if you don't, then you're you're not where you want to be. And so, you know, and and the other thing is is that people will do this a lot. They'll make excuses, right? They'll make excuses as to why they can't do this or do that, and and we all do it. We all do it. We all do it. I'm I'm smoking a cigar. I'm smoking a cigar right now. I like cigars. But I've got a bad taste in my mouth and I know that uh, it's from the cigars and I've been having just, you know, too many lower quality cigars. So I got to work on that and make sure that I'm not having those things. We know these things are, you know, we know these things are bad for you. You know, you're not supposed to do them. And yet here you are, El Chaco smoking another cigar on the stream. But like it's worth working on these things. It's always worth working on these things. So when it comes to what you te- what you take in for news media or or memes or all those other kind of things like that, understand that they do have an impact on you. They always will have an impact on you. Even if you think you're immune, you're not. You're not. It, they will find a way to scare you. They will yeah. find a way to scare you. They, if, if this one doesn't work, they'll hit you with the other one. That's why the news cycle is so fast these days it's so fast these days and the reason why these people have such short memory i think it's a cope i think it's honestly like a survival mechanism to just drop those things because they're constantly getting scared it's like they're living in the in the jungle and the lights are never on and they're constantly looking for that next tiger to jump out at them it's 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 biological it's right in your brain and it's just always going to hit them and they know that they pull that string all the time yeah I tried to explain to some people recently about how we can just be completely misled and choose what is important based on what they're putting out there. Mm-hmm. And that when you're divorced from it, 
like none of them the programming just doesn't hit the programming never hit about ukraine because i was never plugged into it the program is not hitting now because of with the israel stuff because i'm not programmed into it whatever the next thing is like (laughs) they tell us to jump and then we jump and it's like if you that's why I, I would love, like, I would really love if some terrorist organization like wiped out the internet for 45 days. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody would suddenly wake up and be like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be taking pictures of my food and posting it on Instagram. Cause who could possibly fucking care? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I don't need to get into petty arguments with my distant relatives about whatever political party that they support this time, because it doesn't fucking matter. I only see them twice a year. Like how much well, of our life is governed by social media? It's a gift. Yeah. I used to care so much about sports, man. I used to care so much about it. I used to spend so much time watching sports. And thanks to the last four years, I barely care at all. I barely care at all about them because they don't matter. Time with my family matters. Time on the, you know, in my yard, time with my dogs. Those things matter. Whether or not the Calgary Flames beat the Washington Capitals tonight doesn't matter it doesn't matter because none of it matters Uh, my team the calgary flames they were one of the first teams that didn't they weren't mandated to do so that made it so you couldn't enter the games if you didn't have the vaccine so um okay i all those years all those jerseys all those tickets all those video games all those everything waste of time total waste of time and all those people who are like oh sports ball huh how'd the sports ball go they were right <laughs> they were but right those people it. also have those things being destroyed because you know as, as someone who's not into sports ball they're mm-hmm. doing absolutely everything they possibly can to bleach away any of the meaning of you know what meant what mattered to me with star trek the exact polar opposite of sports yeah and they just keep bleaching away so you know so i've been I've been reading a lot of Star Trek books over the last few years. And what I've really latched onto is all of the stuff that happened after the end of deep space nine, which was a series that ended in like 1998, 1999, somewhere in there. And there were movies that happened after that Voyager ended after that. But, but what ended up happening was all these writers started writing books that were set after the end of deep space nine. And they did a really good job of kind of tying them all together. And so there's, there's, 20 years of this interconnected book universe that is pretty consistent with the tone of the TV shows. And it kind of sets up how the characters get to where they are in the movies and really expands on. There's like all this really interesting stuff. And I've been reading those and reading those. I've been really enjoying them. And then I found out that uh, in 2020, they released a trilogy of books where, and I haven't read these, but I know know that they exist out there where what they did was the characters of this, you know, book universe, discover an anomaly and basically the anomaly collapses their book universe uh, so that the modern star trek universe that's on television that i don't believe exists can can exist it's not and, canon <laughs> and and i'm just like why why would you do that just stop writing new books don't you don't need to like implode all of because what it basically does is it's like oh yeah everything that you read for the last 10 if you were i wasn't reading them live but if you're reading them live everything you read for the last 20 years doesn't matter fuck you you should enjoy this new show that we are we have developed for the seemingly the express purposes of offending you our target demo 
and get the past kill it if you have to you know it's and that, i it, and i like i see that stuff and i'm just like oh yeah you you hate me and you don't want me to like your franchise anymore but you know what i hate you too so uh <laughs> at the end of the day when the chance comes i think i'll beat you in a fight because i'm larger and angrier and i haven't <laughs> consumed as much soy well that was that cultural vandalism thing that i talked yeah, about too absolutely know? And I've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot. And it just keeps coming up over and over again. And I love it because it makes me reevaluate my my interests and my loves. And, you know, I I do go out of my way to buy DVDs of programs that I really liked that were funny, that are that were, were well made. And I can look at them and go, okay, this was a time period where writing mattered, art mattered. Uh, now it's just about checking boxes, you know, making sure. And I mentioned that to E. Michael Jones as well. I said to him that, that it's almost like we've got a reverse code now where if you don't yeah. meet these these new standards, then you're not going to get greenlit. You're not allowed. And so, for example, I brought up about Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen it yet, but I've been told it's really good. And um, people were amazed they're like, wow, it's it's not woke. It's not like uh, it's not over the top and all this kind of stuff. And I'm yeah, like, it's like a real movie. It, it's the way they were all this time. But tradition is one of those things that scares the elites. They don't yeah. want the, the, they don't want tradition anymore. OK, so even in looking in the in the Catholic Church right now, they're in the synod and synodality, which nobody can even define what synodality means. So it's just this way for them to kind of rewrite the rules. And everybody's looking at this going, well, you can't rewrite the Ten Commandments and you can't rewrite the Gospels and you can't do all that kind of stuff. Because if you do, you're in schism, you're a whole new religion and you're basically another Protestant sect. You can't do that. It doesn't work. You can't you can't just throw away 2000 years of tradition. So would you, you like know, to sing a song about it? <laughs> What's that? About <laughs> tradition. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I want to. Oh, tradition. Yeah. Put on the roof. <laughs> that, that's a, a, a stage guy uh, uh, reference. Right Paul, there. Yeah. Have you had to do the Fiddler on the Roof a bunch of times? I have done. We had a touring show of it come through one of the theaters I worked worked for, but I've never like been on a production team for it. Never seen it. Never, never took it in. Musicals That's aren't my thing surprising. usually. Yeah. Just, oh yeah, musicals suck. I, some of them are okay, but not not that one. Um, Actually, Fiddle on the Roof is one of the few ones that I will accept because okay, it, it's uh. So my it's problem good. with musicals is that. Um, have you ever seen the Music Man? Mm-mm. So the music man, the the plot of the music man, Harold Hill, I think that's his name. He's a traveling salesman. He goes into these towns, promises them that he can like get them this marching band thing going, uh, sells them a bunch of instruments and then flees town with the money. And so he's gotten he's created this bad vibe for traveling salesmen. So he shows up in this new town, uh, Riverside, Iowa, or River City, River City, Iowa. Sounds and- like a monorail episode of The Simpsons. Was that was that make was that based probably on making fun of this this movie and so uh-huh. there's there's a music teacher and they fall in love and all the stupid shit but at one point uh and this is this was i was in like the the fourth or fifth grade and we're watching the music man on tape in in elementary school and this mm-hmm. is where i i probably should have been diagnosed with autism they probably just pulled me out of the, the classroom and just been like <laughs> tab you're autistic you really need to settle down because he 
he has this buddy, this like fat loser guy, and he mm. needs to go do something with the music teacher. So he tells the fat loser guy to kind of distract the whole town. And the, the guy starts doing this whole song and dance and it turns into this gigantic dance number, Shaboopy, which is this fucking nonsensical song. And they're just <laughs> dancing around. And I'm watching this as a kid and I'm thinking in my head, he, he's making up this song as he goes. He's making up these dance dance moves as he goes. And all these people know all the song words and the dance moves. And this doesn't make any sense. How does this make any sense? They're just singing and dancing. Why are they singing and dancing? And I was incensed. And so that's my big problem with musicals. Like how do these people know the songs and dances to these, these, these things? It doesn't make any sense. It's all surreal. Fiddler on the Roof makes sense because it's a very insular, traditional community where they right. have all the they same like, cultural that. references. And I'm like, well, that and the first song is tradition. And I'm and I, I'm 100 percent on board. We're all a bunch of Jewish people living in Russia. So we know all the same <laughs> songs and dances because that's our culture. Makes sense. So, so let makes us, please sense. Continue. Please continue <laughs> with your, your story. I, I, I forgot where I was. And that's OK. I think actually. Uh, we've probably been going on here about an hour and 45 minutes and uh, it, it, we've talked, we've talked a bit about doomsday hoaxes and, yeah. uh, and I, I gotta say, man, I love having you on. I want to have you on again uh, real soon. Uh, Cause in a future episode, I I've discussed this with you already. I'm going to be bringing yeah. on a guy by the name of Zachary King and Zachary King is probably one of the most fascinating storytellers I've ever heard. Uh, and he's an ex satanist uh uh high wizard was his title uh he'll describe the whole thing how he got into it how he got out of it um but because i've heard the stories before many times i want to have you on simply for reaction and even for an autistic reaction i want to i want you to call (laughs) out these things but i i really want to get your reaction on these things because they're so fascinating um, that's the thing that I've been really enjoying about doing this show so far is bringing on people with fascinating interesting things to talk takes, about. Yeah. Interesting, uh, topics, interesting, uh, stories and all that kind of stuff. So I don't plan on, uh, running out of those, uh, as we go. Uh, so next week, uh, Mark will be on, he ran for office in Canada. He was also blocked from going into the debates because his party was, you know, they they use the the term thinly veiled white supremacist organization. Uh, that's mm. why they, he wasn't allowed in. He tried to sue them. That so I'll get it out of him as well. Um, but uh, yeah, man, this has been great. I I I, I think uh, as I put it before, because again, I don't listen to Joe Rogan anymore, but I did listen in the early days. I listened a lot in the early days, and uh, one of the things that I liked about it was he he kind of had his gang. He kind of had his, his guys that he would bring back on over and over and over again. And I consider you a part of that, of my gang. And I want to make sure that I have you on more. Uh, I want to have a show with you and with Sully uh, and uh, and try to get a couple more of those going. Get, get casual and, and and have some good good chats, good bants. Um, and I, I want to thank everybody for for tuning in and uh, showing up for, uh, in, the, in, the, in the live chat here. Uh, it does make it a lot easier to to emote and to keep talking. Um, and uh, I apologize. I wanted to have one every week, but sometimes it doesn't always work that way. Uh, when we had Lil Fabio on for technical reasons, we had to do it uh, not live uh, with um, E. Michael Jones. That was in the middle of the day. Most of you guys have jobs, or at least I hope you do. 
And so it's, it's really hard to get in, get in those kind of things. And my time zone is getting out of whack again. So we do this whole thing. Um, daylight savings, one of my least favorite things in the world. Uh, I sprung forward. We're in springtime. Uh, uh, you guys are going to fall back, I believe, around Halloween. So after, yeah. once that happens, then there's going to be another hour of difference uh, from me to you. Uh, my main clients are in Vancouver. And so when that goes down, I'm going to have a five-hour difference. It's going to suck. That's amazing. But uh, yeah. it's, it, it's fine, actually, because then I can work in the morning, get something done by lunchtime, and they're still waking up and getting in their inbox at that time. But yeah, man, this has been another edition of High Trust, Low Context. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, I'm El Chaco, and and thank you again, Tabbert. Uh, Thanks for having me. This is us signing off. Viva Cristo Rey.